Welcome back to the Messy Reformation. My name is Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey, and unfortunately he's not able to be part of today's conversation, but he will be back next week. We started this podcast for one very particular reason. We love the Christian Reformed Church, and we want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. And whenever Reformation happens, things get messy. They're already messy now, and they're going to keep getting messier as Reformation happens. So we're taking the opportunity to have conversations with pastors throughout the Christian Reformed Church to find out what's happening in our denomination, but also to talk about what Reformation might look like. I want to take an opportunity to say thank you to all of you who are faithfully listening each week and who are faithfully getting this content out there. Our listenership continues to grow and it's because of you. So thank you and keep on listening and keep on sharing this content. We want these conversations to spread throughout the CRC. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We are dropping episodes every single Monday. And with all that said, we're going to get to this week's show, which is part two of our conversation with Michael Bentley. Most kids, and I I was most kids, you know, will think, okay, you church people, you like this Bible stuff, and you're all about, you know, being good and doing these things, and that's great for you. But I exist in a greater reality and you guys can lock your rooms and do whatever. And then you start really putting together, at least, you know, the, the youth guys that understand the importance of it, put these things together for kids and saying, now, these are all people just trying to, you know, live and get through life like you guys are I'm sometimes like 18 years old, already having a family. And, uh, you know, what is what does it all mean? They were asking those things. Here's the times where God stepped in dramatically to build a testimony for himself of what life means yeah. and what's truly important. And here's where it happens. And and you start showing people that and, and they start sitting back thinking, I need to I need to rethink what my life is about yeah. right now. Because yeah. obviously there's other things afoot um and have been for thousands of years. And I just I can't believe I've never put it together before. Yeah. Those lights start turning on and yeah, you guys, that was a big, that was one of the big, uh, it was a big life changing kind of exercise for me. Someone had encouraged me um, to write down a seven minute life story about how God has worked in my life. Mm. And I remember when they told me this was, I was really young in my faith, really immature. And I remember thinking, God hasn't done anything in my life. Like this is, my life is pretty boring, you know? Right. And, uh, and then as I worked through that, all of a sudden these little light bulbs went off. I'm like, Oh my goodness, God was there. He was there and he was doing this there and he saved me here and he protected me here. And he, he kicked my butt over there and he did all of these things. And so we had our youth kids do that too. And it was just super fun to have our teenagers walk through that because they all gave you the same reaction when you said, all right, you're going to put together a seven minute life story about how God's worked in your life. And they're all like, Oh, he hasn't done anything in my life and i said just wait wait till you're done and uh you could see these light bulbs i mean some kids it took them a few times before they really got it 
Mm-hmm. But uh, but you can all of a sudden see these light bulbs go off in their head. And all of a sudden, God's not just some disconnected reality out there. But they see that, no, he's been right there working in their life um, in the same way that he worked in the life of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all of those uh, all of those people. God becomes really real in their life. And so it was a, it was a powerful exercise for a lot of for a lot of kids. That's awesome. Yeah. So I want to jump to our next question because we've been talking about a lot of stuff, but, um, but as, as someone kind of being in the CRC now and, and uh, for a while, what, what are some of the concerns you have now with the CRC moving forward? Uh, yeah, that's, and I think part of, part of my, my initial concerns comes with, I'm, I'm always trying to catch up. Um, there's, there's like a, a culture that I was just never a part of there's, mm. and I, I, I really do, you know, there's a, a, there's a grand rapids culture. It's very grand rapid centric. It's, you know, which, you know, Christian high school did you go to and which, you know, teacher did you have that later went on to teach at Calvin and, you know, and, and the language of building faith is, you know, kind of centralized, you know, it takes on a different flavor here and there. And, for so many people coming out of um, even a, you know, a, a centralized Chicago or, or Grand Rapids kind of a culture that Lake Michigan, mm-hmm. you know, Dutch, um, I just never, I just never had that kind of stuff. And now I'm seeing, you know, those people have all grown up and they're, you know, they have degrees upon degrees and, and they have lots of, you know, great ideas that they're putting out there. Um, I, I, you know, I, I've seen the CRC leave behind people who grew up in it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's just trying to catch up and start seeing that. I saw that when the, the, the Diaconia report came out and um, I'm, I'm trying to work with deacons who are, you know, farming and trying to get by and trying to, you know, just make sure people are taken care of. And Oh, by the way, read this report, which, you know, has terminology and, you know, sociology in it that I need to check. And I'm kind of a sociology nerd, right? Mm. And I, I have to look up and check out what some of these things mean, exactly the context of what they're talking about. Oh, by the way, you know, here, read this report for next council meeting. Yeah. I'm talking about. Um, I think it just, it, yeah, there's, there's that kind of thing. But yeah, I think, I think, you know, the thing that is going through America right now that is kind of sorting itself through politics is ravaging the church, just yeah. ravaging the church. Um, I think we, the, the whole, you know, progressive conservative war um, is hitting the church in ways, you know, that we were primed for. Because you can you can just see, I think conservatives and and progressives alike within the CRC theologically um, were not grounded in the word enough to know the difference. Yeah. Um, you know, I you know, and Trump was a big thing in that, and anti-Trump and pro-Trump, and 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 you know, okay, he wanted to be a lightning rod, and he is, and that's great, but okay what about, what does God say about this kind of stuff? And, and I just think that a lot of the times and a lot of the changes and a lot of the, the subtextual demands for allegiance 
um, are hitting a lot of people in ways that, you know, we just weren't grounded enough in the word to prepare ourselves for. And so I think you, you, the fracturing you're seeing in the church along those lines is hitting people when, you know, you're talking about homosexuality, you're talking about um, a whole, you know, sexual revolution and sexual rights. You're talking about, you know, what is, well, you know, what does America stand for? There's, there's people who I think, you know, in America who believe their America is being taken from them, who believe their, you know, their denomination is being taken from them, or people who believe that in a great progressive future for America also believe in a progressive future for the CRC. And I, I think largely it's not taking place in the dimensions of what God's commanded for us. Mm-hmm. And so that's the biggest problem for me is that I'm, I'm, I, I'm, you know, I'm not scared so much. Because I, I, the Holy Spirit's working. Yeah. The CRC doesn't exist tomorrow. It doesn't mean I'm not a Christian. Amen. It messes up my, it messes up my preaching credentials. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, my biggest fear is, you know, doing another, doing a Presbytery exam for the PCA leading a church because, man, I don't want to go through another examination. And the PCA that, runs you through the ringers. Oh my goodness. Their elder examinations are sometimes worse than our, our classical exams for ordination. Yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah, that, that to me, you know, church wise is, you know, organizationally is, is more scary. I, I think the mm-hmm. deeper, the deeper structure on it is really, I don't, I don't think church wise, because we've kind of broken away from understanding the word and, you know, progressive and conservative alike in many ways. I don't think we truly understand salvation the way we should anymore. We're not fighting the same battles. Yeah. And that's, that's the deeper scariness. Yeah. Um, that's where, that's where my, my concerns really hit again. You know, I'm not, I can't lose my salvation. Um, my kids, are, I'm still going to teach my kids tomorrow, but um, you know, what's, what's going to, what's going to happen to the format of how that's done and, and who are we in fellowship with and, and how do we know? And all those things are questioned right now. So, yeah, I think uh, it's come up in a, in another one of these interviews that uh, as soon as, cause I think, I think you're right. I think as a denomination somehow um, and that's where I, I want to f- start figuring out at what point we started kind of running off the rails on this, but, but it seems that the, the crazy attention here is as a denomination, the CRC thinks that we are too heady, Mm. that we know that we focus too much on doctrine and the word of God. There's like this, this weird perception. And yet the reality is that's not the case. Um, And uh, I don't know. And so it's kind of crazy to me. So I, I I talk to people who um, I say this, which is, controversial people get a little angry about it but i say you know my biggest frustration graduating from calvin theological seminary is that it lacked depth in theology Mm. and uh and they go no not not in the crc we're not we're just we're known for being too heady we need to focus more on the heart and on practical stuff and i said no actually what has happened is we focus so much on all these other things there um the depth of my the the theological study at Calvin was 
almost similar, not quite, but almost similar to the depth of my bachelor's of ministry that I got. Oh, wow. Really? And uh, yeah. And so I think that says I got a good bachelor's of ministry as well. But um, but uh, my MDiv, I was I mean, I, it was good. I, I don't want to downplay it all too much, but I was disappointed in it. And I've talked to a number of my classmates and asked them, what was your biggest disappointment graduating? And they said, lack of depth of theology. And so when I tell people that they give me this wide eyed look like I'm some crazy person because no, 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 the CRC, right. we're just we're too intellectual and we're too. And I usually say, when was the last person? When was the last time you heard a pastor complain that his congregation was too knew too much of the Bible. Right. Um, Cause exactly. it's not. And because our allegiance, because we don't know scripture, then we're seeking allegiances. We start putting those allegiances in all these other places disconnected from the word of God. Right. So I remember other pastors saying the frustration right now is that the CRC is trying to hold itself together just based on our CRC ness. Yes. We're, we are just, no, we are the CRC and we need to stick together. Mm-hmm. Who cares about what the word of God says, exactly. but we just want to hold ourselves together here. Or, or there's people in the United States saying, well, I'm just a Republican and this is why we need to do this. Right. And they're trying to hold themselves together based on their Republicanism. Right. Disconnected. I don't really know what the word of God says about this, but I'm just going to hold on to this allegiance rather than. And so whenever we disconnect ourselves from the word of God, we're going to grab hold of something to try to bring unity and that something is going to never line up quite with God's word. Well, and that's, you know, and I think we've all read this, this kind of thing. And I've had conversations with, with people who, you know, are on the very pro uh, affirming side of, you know, non-repentant homosexuality and, and the theology just goes out the window. The word of God just goes out the window. Um, and, you know, we, we kind of talked about some of this stuff where, you know, story is much more important than, than what God actually says. And, and it's very interesting to read that kind of common theme to say that, you know, it's not important what God says. It's more important how we feel about this. And we don't want people to feel badly about us or about what we say or about, you know, our organization, our denomination, or our churches, they might leave. You know, I'm thinking, again, you know, I, then you, you, we, we aren't talking about the same, uh, the same goals at that point. And, and so, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm really shocked because, yeah, you know, we've also been talking about, about, um, uh, critical race theory and, and all sorts of things that are kind of just sweeping through the denomination. And, you know, nobody's talking about, well, you know, we're too heavy on, on terminology for critical race theory. We just kind of back off. Of, no, everybody's reading Robin DiAngelo. Everybody's downing, you know, uh, all the books we can get now on, on uh, race theory and critical race theory and how it came around. And what are the terminology? What are the, what's the, latest way of implementing you know anti-racism and, and there's a lot of doctrine there <laughs> we seem yeah. to like our doctrine yeah it just depends on what you're in it for you know mm. um this this idea we have that we needed to separate the the head knowledge from the heart knowledge it sounds really loving but man you, you, i can believe a lot of things but 
it's interesting that God had to give us prophets to tell us specific things. Yeah. And, and maybe, you know, maybe you just, you know, have a specific piece of scripture, which you just meditate on for a really long time. That's great. But you know, it's, it's specific. It's mm-hmm. doctrine. Um, well, God's great. Well, how do you know? Well, I think he is. Okay. Let me here, read some Romans. <laughs> you know, yeah. Jesus is cool. Great. How do you know? Well, cause I think he is. Okay. You know, here's let's, let's walk through the gospel of Mark and let me see some specific things that Jesus did. You know, maybe that takes you a really long time to digest or meditate on. I'm not looking to, for you to memorize the entire thing, but boy, wrestle with the specific doctrine of what's going on. Yeah. Cause that leads people will tell you, well, you know, we don't need specifics. Yeah. You've got specifics. You've got specifics that you meditate on in your own heart. Mm-hmm. We just say we, we don't. And we're, we're lying to ourselves if we don't. And, yeah. Well, that's not any way to build any sort of worship of God. No. And I, I think uh, when, uh, when you don't have the specifics and you don't have the doctrine, um, that, that faith or that belief is just, it's really fragile and weak. Yeah. And so, I mean, I remember, um, I remember when I graduated high school and went to college, I remember now not to get into a whole nother can of worms, but I remember thinking like, all right, I, uh, I don't believe in evolution because the Bible says I, it, it's God created this. I don't know why it's all the science, you know, in my mind, I was like, all of the science points in this direction. And so, but I have to believe this just because the Bible believes it. And I don't know why. And so that faith was really that understanding of creation evolution was very weak and fragile because it was all just kind of, yeah, I know this is what it should be, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think it's the same thing, even with, I know uh, the progressives get frustrated when we say like, oh, your arguments about regarding um, homosexual marriage and all of that are disconnected from scripture and, and all of that. Um, But I think also, um, and and I would agree with that. I think they are disconnected from scripture, but um, I think many of my, uh, my conservatives in my church are don't know scripture either. And so there, I have a number of people in my church who are like, amen all right, homosexuality, bad. And if you were to say, why? I don't, the Bible says it. Mm-hmm. Okay, but why? And, and it's about that shallow. And so when people start to push them on it and start kind of pushing on the feeling part of it, right? Anything that's just based on just feeling and shallowness um, is easily shaken. And so I've seen people over the years who, who I know and respect, I know they're committed to Christ, and yet they're belief is so not grounded they they move really easy because they don't know the specifics they just why well, I, I believe this is because the bible says it, which is a good place to start i mean yeah that, i mean if if the bible says something we believe it right yep but you we, we want need to go deeper we need to ground it ground it more and firm up the foundation yeah well and and you know just taking it seriously i, I was because I, I always and I do my I my uh, I'm I'm the oldest of three brothers and and my uh, younger not my youngest but my younger brother and I uh, he's not saved but you know we have consistently met on that plane of of debating uh, philosophy uh, which 
I didn't even get until, you know, I went to seminary and this was after <laughs> I was a graphic designer for years. You know, I, yeah. I did the whole second, second career thing. Right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, finally starting to be able to at least understand this, if not articulate the fine points. Well, um, and, and yeah, those are, those are real specific things. And we were able to, to, you know, debate those and, and to come in on, on certain points like that. Um, I find it interesting that, you know, a, an entire church can, can think like, we don't need fine points about anything. Um, so, you know, okay. I, I have to pare down my sermons maybe a little bit because maybe my reading isn't what anybody else's normal reading is. And yeah, you know, I'll check in on John Stuart Mill and, you know, and, and, and read some, you know, read some planning just to, just to, you know, keep up on, on the philosophy. Uh, yeah. but okay. You know, but even if you're, you know, toning it down to, you know, my 10 year old and of preaching a message to my 10 year old, um, you, you can't, you can't hang bedrock truths on, well, I kind of feel this way today. Mm -hmm. I mean, even if you're just down to, you know, the classic fish in the, in the dirt, you know, um, you're, you're Jesus, God's son, savior, right? Mm -hmm. um, Jesus Christ, God's son, savior. I mean, that, that's, that's a theology revealed yeah. in, in the, in the text of, of prophets and apostles saying something definite about our need and our place in the universe. Okay. You know, maybe that takes you a few years, but boy, those are specifics. Yeah. And if it's in scripture and all you've got is, well, you know, the Bible says it. Okay. Maybe that takes you a way to work that out, but is it that important because of the bedrock truth? Well, God speaks it. God says it. God means it in love because God is love. Mm -hmm. You know, so, I mean, yeah, it's, it, there's, there's always more to the points of theology, but you got to start somewhere. And it always starts with something specific. So I, yeah, I, the, the farther we get away from that kind of stuff, I think we're just, we're just ripe for people that really do believe in specifics um, just not the ones that are in the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, I, I had a conversation with somebody uh, a few years ago who was uh, voicing their frustration about the, the CRC mm. um, and us Dutch reformed people. Um, and they're like, you guys, you guys just always think you're right. And, uh, and I said, yeah. <laughs> and he kind of looked at me and I said, well, don't you think you're right? And he, well, no, well, 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 I think, you know, we just need to be humble in this. And, and I said, well, am I being proud and thinking I'm right? I, I just think if I thought I was wrong, I wouldn't believe it. Right. <laughs> and he's like, well, and, and I said, I mean, you think you're right. You think yeah. you're right that we should hold these matters lightly and that's fine, but you think you're right on that. And I think I'm right that we should hold these opinions and that's okay. We can both think we're right and still be friends and still exactly. interact, but it actually gives us a place to stand and, uh, and interact with one another. We don't have to be so generic in order to be in fellowship with people. I mean, that's been for me, like, so my undergrad was at a Baptist dispensationalist college. Mm -hmm. Right. So very different from where I'm at theologically, even when I went there. And yet I loved all my professors and they knew where I was at. I knew where they were at. I learned yeah. a ton from them. 
we were helpful, we benefited one another, and that was fine. We both thought we were right, um, but we could interact and engage with one another. And, and I've kind of been able to have that relationship um, with people throughout my whole life. My, one of my closest pastor friends right now is from an e-free church, and he's you know dispensational, and he has different ideas than I do. And I'm like, cool, we can talk about those things, but we're still brothers in the Lord. But yeah. it does, just for us to be able to fellowship with one another doesn't mean I need to downplay my belief or water down what I believe. And actually we can be in fellowship better uh-huh. when we know where we're each standing. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's, and, and that's, you know, the, the really curious point of, of what we see now with this idea of, well, we need, we can't be so dogmatic on human sexuality mm-hmm. and we can't be, we, you know, we need to listen to the science, which I'm amazed at, progressives listening to science now will tell you that a man is a woman and a woman is a man and it really doesn't matter but it really matters yeah again you know specifics but not specifics but i mean come on i mean the 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 way to quote a president come on man um we there 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 are there are these points and, and we keep coming back to them and it seems like it's just you know and and getting spiritual and getting very church about it there is there is a very enemy centered message here about uh, you can let go of that. Let, you got to let go of your certainty here. You you, can, you can't be so uh, you know certain about truths that have been handed down for thousands of years from the word because you know that's it's not nice. Or you might alienate people. You don't want to be mean, do you? You don't want to be responsible for losing members of your congregation because look how that would reflect on you. And boy, that would really hurt people. I mean, there's just all sorts of things which, you know, aren't entirely untrue, but there seems to be a lot of, again, boy, those nasty specific stories about God calling people to a truth which is revealed, but maybe not divined so much by human intuition, which is actually more important for us to stand with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, it, if we, if we approach the, if we approach the old Testament, like most people are encouraging us to promote, to approach, um, you know, a continued discussion and study on, you know, the, the, the human sexuality and confessionality of scriptures and, and how, boy, we just, we need to talk this out more. You reply that to Elijah. You just should have walked off Mount Carmel and not dealt with it. Yeah. And yeah. You know, I mean, Baal worship, you know, maybe there's something to, I don't want to offend. There's obviously a large contingent of the church here, which, you know, appeals to Baal. And I wouldn't, you know, want to, you know, create a division in the mm-hmm. church over this. That might that might be difficult. Um, just doesn't seem to line up. And yeah, and instead he calls down fire from heaven and then has all the priests of Baal slaughtered. And I'm not which, looking which forward it, to that day. Yeah, <laughs> but which uh, which never makes it into the Sunday school version of the story, right? That's not that's not the prime flannel graph material. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. But it's so. You know, I only laugh in this kind of, you know, in this PTSD kind of a way of just being through the ringer so much. It's like how little this intersects with where God has really put his foot down on things in the past. And it seems like, you know, again, going back to church history, it's 
not the first rodeo that this, you know, the idea of homosexuality or same-sex attraction or, you know, how a, a pluralistic society deals with, you know, some, some, some curious aspects of holiness within the church. It's not the first time we've dealt with these things. No. It may not be where people want to be on it, but if God calls us to it, ow, then maybe we should be pretty serious about how to find that out. I, I was talking with somebody the other day, and I can't remember who quoted this, and I'm going to lose it. Um, I don't remember. I'll remember it, you know, five minutes after you shut off uh, the podcast. That's but, right. you know, it used to be it used to be that people said in the historic Christian church, what must I do to be saved? You know, the very Acts 2. Now it's what can I do and still be saved? Yes. It's a whole different understanding of, of leniency saying, well, you know, God should, eh, God's demand, God's holiness, God's kingdom, eh, you know, he, he needs to be more respectful of my time and my desires because he mm-hmm. really doesn't understand my brokenness. If you're reading scripture, you can't ask that kind of a question seriously. You might be wrestling with that, but you can't really put that out there and say, yeah, I really believe that. How blasphemous is that to think that God doesn't understand your brokenness? The God who crushed his own son on the cross for the forgiveness of your yeah. sins. Yeah. That um, and, that and, is that's one of those quotes where I, I hear R.C. Sproul in the background saying, what's wrong with you people? <laughs> exactly. And, and, you know, and we we are here like with every other with every other problem. I mean, we're we're here because we 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 haven't understood our own brokenness in some other ways. I mean, we, yes. you know, we, we think elections are, are for, you know, really saving the nation and saving the church. Um, you know, uh, we, we put, we've made idols out of these things. I, I love Keller's yeah. idea of idolatry, right? Taking a good thing and making an ultimate thing. Yeah. We do that with elections and Supreme court nominees and, you know, council meetings. And, you know, I mean, just, we fill things with so much importance that, you know, people look at that and they go, well, obviously these aren't lining up. And I, and I think we can get taken down the road so far. We, you know, various people have done that in the church for so long. I think, I think we're, you know, we create our own opportunity for yeah. heresy in, yeah. in very many ways. And, and we just, we're just reaping what we've been doing for a long time. Yeah, and to bring it back full circle, I think we grab hold of all of these other things um, because we don't truly believe the power of the gospel. Exactly. Um, I mean, we we look forward to elections saving our nation because we don't actually believe the gospel can. Exactly. And, uh, we we grab hold of whatever the you know the next biggest program or the next big shiny church thing or whatever. We grab hold of all of these other things because we don't truly believe the gospel is powerful. And it's because we haven't preached the power of sin, I think. Um, and, uh, and that understood the depth of our depravity and understand mm-hmm. the power of the salvation that God has brought us. I mean, if we really believe the power of the gospel, that it would change our communities, that it would change our, you know, it would bring, I mean, not only it would bring about salvation, but it would change. Like if people start believing in Jesus and being saved and forgiven and transformed, it would change our communities, our states, our country. It would bring transformation everywhere. We'd just be sharing the gospel everywhere. Oh, yeah. And instead we keep our mouth shut and then we vote. 
Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, the idea that we have Christians that are much more passionate about putting out, you know, a Trump or a Biden sign on the yard than getting to church and learning how to evangelize. We wonder why we have problems in the church. Amen. Our, our, our desires are, and to use another, you know, uh, an Edwardsism, right? Our, our affections are really misaligned. Yes. And if anything good comes out of this, if anything good comes out of the struggle that we're having right now as a denomination, as a, as a culture, I pray that it is that our affections, our, our desires for God and to, to see the gospel reign in us and for Christ to be exalted, um, that, that comes back into line and the priority that it should be. Amen. Um, that's when you're going to start seeing stuff happen. Yeah. And I think we're being primed for it. I've, th- yeah. I've told people we're being primed for something big to happen and it will either be the judgment of God, which, you know, that would not be fun to live through, but here we are, or it would be, yeah. or being primed for revival for people to be, to realize all of a sudden the, the foolishness of all of these things that we've been seeking and mm-hmm. to turn back to the gospel. And so I tell my church all the time, I pray for revival. That's I'm putting my hope in, in revival and we're going to keep preaching the gospel. We're going to keep going out and trust and showing people the, the power of the gospel and the power yeah. of the Holy spirit to transform lives. And, there you um, go. but, but we're, we're being primed for something coming up and we don't know. I mean, we're not right. We're not above the judgment of God. I mean, there's been nation after nation after nation um, judged by God. God sent his people into exile because of their unfaithfulness. And we can't say that our church is more faithful than God's people who were sent off to Babylon. Right. Um, we're, we're worthy of, of God's judgment right now, I think. Yeah. Um, and so we need to be repenting as well yeah. as a church. Yeah. Everybody wants to see fire come down from heaven. You know, everybody wants to see that Mount Carmel thing happen, but that didn't happen until Elijah literally believed he was the last believer in Israel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and right and right before he goes into a serious depression thinking that, yep. uh, you know, I, every, we all, we all like the big moments and yet, man, they usually come with a lot of, a lot of destruction, you know, fire from fire on Mount Sinai and the 10 commandments came with, you know, 3000 people getting taken out by Moses and the priests. I mean, it was just huge stuff that I, I, yeah, we're being primed to understand the power of, and, and it's, it's not always pretty. And I think that's, that's the thing we've got to get over. It's, it's just in the, in the face of God's holiness and the being met by our sin, our particular pet ideas and happinesses in those ideas in that meeting um, don't, aren't going to survive that. And that's good. They're going to be replaced with something better. If they haven't already, they're going to be replaced with something better. Um, It's just, it's got to come. Yeah. Hebrews 12 says God shakes the heavens and the earth. So that what's unshakable remains, right? God shakes and all of the, or, or another image is God brings fire down to burn up all the, the chaff and the dross and, and to purify. And so, um, but the fire and the shaking never feels good in that moment. But, uh, but we trust that our God, our God doesn't do anything um, that will ultimately not be good for us in the end. 
Exactly. And so, exactly. well, I want to ask kind of our final question. And if you've ever listened to the podcast, you know where I'm going with this, but it's a two-part question. Um, do you think the CRC is worth saving? And if not, or then why or why not? <sighs> yeah. Um, well, I, I, I think it's, I think it's a unified question rather than two-part. I think sure. the CRC is worth saving if it's going to, if we as the CRC, you know, institution and organism, right? Um, if we as the Christian Reformed Church are going to stand on a biblical gospel, biblical sanctification, biblical justification uh, for the glory of Christ, if if that's where we're going to stand, then sure, it's worth saving. If it's that's not where we're going to stand, you know, it'll go in the trash heap of you know movements in the past, and and God'll God'll put something together in a garage down the street and and make it you know make it glorious if it glorifies Him. Amen. Yeah, I hundred percent agree with you. Yeah, yeah. If we're going to keep going down this road where we're walking away from Scripture and ignoring Scripture, let it let it go down in flames. Yep. Um, let it let it be done. Let's stop trying to save something that that has disconnected itself from God and, and God's word. And I know I I, I am I, I know that's heresy to a lot of people. And I'm I really am. I, I feel like I'm so much more free. And maybe I don't want to I don't want I don't want people to feel bad when I say stuff like that. But frankly, I didn't grow up in, you know, the people people post things on facebook of you know stuff dutch people like i scroll past that stuff it's not my world it's Mm -hmm. that's not where my treasure is it's not in the culture Mm -hmm. and so you know if you keep the christian schools and we keep calvin and we keep you know the seminary and the schools and we keep the the you know the testimony alive in grand rapids and but it doesn't stand for, for God. I don't, I don't, I haven't lost anything because it's not my culture. So unfortunately I am much more free to lose that Mm -hmm. than a lot of other guys are, but I think it still comes down to that biblically. If we're not going to glorify Christ then yeah, God will throw it in the trash heap. Amen. He will. Yeah. And I, Yeah. And I've, I've got some of that. I said, I'm kind of in this uh, interesting position where um, my Dutch heritage goes way back deep, right? My family members were, when they came out, they came on the boat from the Netherlands and they landed in little Pease, Minnesota and helped start the town and the church and the Christian school and, and all of that, right? They were there as the, the whole community was founding. So, but I didn't grow up in the CRC. I didn't become a member of the CRC till I was 15 or 16. And so I've got some of that heritage there. And, and so I've kind of got this, I really appreciate our heritage, but I'm not so connected to it that I want, that I want to hold on to it. Actually, we can't hold on to our heritage and reject the scriptures. 
<laughs> that's it. You can't do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm there. I, I, I want to see the CRC, obviously. That's why I say it every, every podcast, I want to yeah. see reformation happen in our denomination. I think, I think we've got something beautiful and how we understand scripture and how we understand the way the gospel transforms and, and all of that. We've got something beautiful that, that we can offer that doesn't get offered in, in the Baptist church and nothing against the Baptist, but, or the E free, I've got friends all over, but we have something unique that we offer to the world. And, and I would hate to see that go away. So I want to fight for that. I want to fight to see us hold to that orthodoxy, but if we're not going to let it go down in flames. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of where we're at right now. What, what is going to happen? Yeah. Well, what, what advice would you have for pastors then? Um, you know, just to kind of give everybody timeline when I'm asking this question where, you know, last week synod was canceled for another year now. And so we've got a year before we're going to have some of these conversations and my concern is tensions are going to be building and, but, but what, what are, what's your word of wisdom for, for other pastors in the CRC wanting to see reformation? What, what types of things do we need to start doing? to help bring about reformation? Well, this again comes back to this idea of, of the word, right? Um, and if we're always reforming, um, I, I would give a definite shout out to pastors and I'm not condemning anybody. I'm not you know, trying to pull out any secrets that nobody knows about it. You know, this is, well, this is targeted for, I hope this guy's listening or something. Um, just as a general rule, you know, earthquakes have epicenters. And if it's going to, if, if you're going to be part of it, then it's got to begin with you. Are you reformed? Are you looking at the word and saying, yeah, I'm really not, there's not a whole, a whole lot of fear and trembling in me working out my salvation right now. I'm pretty comfy. Well, if, unless you're Jesus, then you'd better get reforming, man. I mean, you know, your, your sexuality is broken, you know, like stuff we're talking about here. I guarantee it because you're human, right? I guarantee that somewhere along the line, you've got a bad idea about God because you're human. So get into the word. Um, Absolutely. And then, you know, if you've got a family, definitely be educating your kids according to the word. Maybe that looks like catechism. Maybe that looks like a, a deeper family worship thing. I, I post on Facebook, you know, our family worship in the morning for our kids and, and things is, you know, some songs, some prayers, some word, you know, and we're at it, but that's formational. You know, you mm-hmm. want to reform the denomination? Great. What are you doing with your family? Amen. Uh, how are you, you know, are you, are you leading your church through that same? Are you training others to be the epicenter of that, of that earthquake are they ready do they have the word they need to defend their faith are you teaching them i mean for pastors dude that's our job if we're not doing mm-hmm. that we are it's no wonder denomination is going to be in deep doo-doo so those are the things that we need to start doing begin at home reform at home reform your heart and mind and then work out from there and it it all starts with the sword you know, the spirit's got to take up that sword or lightsaber for you geeks and just plunge that right in. Yeah. You know, and if the, if the spirit's doing that with the word in you, 
the humility is going to be there that, you know, people are going to need to see, but the conviction is going to be there for the people that really need to be convicted. And you don't just choose one soft side or one fire and brimstone side, like they're not connected. No, it's grace and mercy. It's justice and mercy. It's, it's, you know, love and compassion and fire and brimstone all together. That's God. And that, uh, that all comes off the word. So bring it to your own heart and mind. And let God start working the passion for him out uh, into, you know, where you have influence. That's all we have for this week. Stay tuned next week for our conversation with Aaron DeBoer. Until then, don't forget this is Christ's church, and he bought it with his blood. And we've been warned that wolves will come in and try to destroy the flock. So keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season. And keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation. Thank you.